Milk minute, milk This is Maureen Farrell and Heather O'Neill, and this is the Milk Minute. We're midwives and lactation professionals, bringing you the most up-to-date evidence for all things lactation, so you can feel more confident about feeding your baby, body positivity, relationships, and mental health. Plus, we laugh a little or a lot along the way. So join us for another episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Milk Minute podcast. Today, we are going to run an episode of Beyond the Boob for you. We're going to give you the 37-week episode. Heather and I um, are starting our little break, and we wanted to get you guys all geared up for her birth story, which is coming so soon on Beyond the Boob. So while we're over here just, you know, running some of our favorite old episodes over the holidays, Beyond the Boob is still going to have up-to-date, very exciting new episodes, and we are going to continue that podcast through at least her first three months postpartum. So lots of exciting stuff is going to go on over there. You guys can get the inside scoop on Heather's birth, where that happened, all that. And how her postpartum is going. So without further ado, why don't you guys tune in to Beyond the Boob and we'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Boob. This is a very special episode because we are term, ladies and gentlemen. Term to term, term, term. <laughs> Happy 37 weeks, Heather. What does it all mean? <laughs> okay, so this week we are 37 weeks, and the the term, term, <laughs> basically means your baby's big enough to be born and mature enough that we're probably not going to have any problems with, like, lung development, and they're going to have enough fat stores. You know, it's like the normal time babies are born, between 37 and 42 weeks. You know what song I have stuck in my head now is, with every birth term, 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 there is a season. I don't even like that song, but uh, that's where I'm at mentally right now. It's just whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. This is where most people are uh, when they get to term and they're like, cool, I'm going to be pregnant forever. I don't care about anything anymore. We're done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, my biggest issue this week is I have some belly button drama going on, <laughs> which I haven't even told you about. No, tell me um, about your belly button drama. Yeah, so let's see here. I have an old piercing in my oh. belly button, and my stomach is so stretched out now that it started getting itchy. And I happened to actually take the effort to look mm-hmm. at my belly button, which is effort at this mm-hmm. point. And the top part of the piercing was very red, almost like it had yeah. been bleeding. And I was like, WTF is that? So I did what any normal person would do, and I put bacitracin on it. And I was like, that'll fix it, you know? And it didn't, and it just got itchier and redder, Uh and I was like, what is happening? And so, this is really gross. Everyone prepare yourself. I um, I was like, I wonder if there's just, like, uh, some skin stuck in there, you know? Yeah. Old piercing holes are fun. So gross. (laughs) So I actually have a gold hoop earring, and I cleaned it with, like, wound stuff. Mm -hmm. And I slipped it through. And pushed a bunch of gross stuff out that smelled mm-hmm. so bad. Like dead skin. Very bad, like yes. dead rotting stuff. Yes. Yeah. And so that didn't even do it oh, alone. Well, that didn't so help. what I had to do was I put the earring in, 
and then I pulled it out to create a pocket, and then I squirted wound wash down in <sighs> it. And then I took mupirocin and a little bit of nystatin, and I shoved it in there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we're recovering from okay. that. Sorry about your belly button infection. Why really is that happening? I mean, so your whole microbiome changes when you're pregnant. Your pH yeah. changes, mm. right? And, you know, we think about this more in the terms of, like, oh, your urinary tract and your genitals, like, that can cause, you know, microbiome disruption there and we get more infections. But it's not the only place that can happen, right? Yeah. Um, so it's possible, too, like, your skin microbiome was disrupted and just because of, like, the changing shape and, you know. Well, I wonder also because my husband's been rubbing the stretch mark cream on my belly every night. it got stuck night. in there. Yeah, something got stuck yeah. in there and it got kind of irritated mm-hmm. because... It's the Earth Mama that has a little bit of orange in mm-hmm. it, and I just wonder if the orange did something. I don't know. But anywho, we're on our path to healing <laughs> there, but if you have an old belly button piercing, which you keep, probably do. Keep her clean. Keep her clean. You know when they said you'd have holes in your face forever and whatever when we all got those piercings and we were like, no, we won't. We do. We, we do. still have those holes. Oops. It's fine. It's happening. <laughs> I'm also very hungry a lot, and yeah. I get mad if I can't eat, and I get mad if we don't have the right food that I want to eat, and I get mad if someone promises me a specific food <laughs> that I'm not even in the mood for, but then they don't deliver on that yeah. same food that I didn't even want to begin with. Those are all reasonable things, Heather. <sighs> my husband puts my socks and shoes on unless I'm wearing flip-flops mm-hmm. for me. And also, I had a little mental moment where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm very uncomfortable, but also I'm a little scared to move forward and be postpartum. I'm not looking forward to having a postpartum body, and I'm, I can't say I'm looking forward to labor other than the fact that that means that we're done with this part. <laughs> that is one consistently positive thing about going into labor is that it does signal the end of your pregnancy. Yeah, it's like, well, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. I'm at a mental impasse between... Being pregnant and having to go through this next hard phase. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's very reasonable to be a little bit fearful of labor or of the postpartum, especially, you know, if you guys have listened to uh, the Milk Minute, you'll know both Heather and I had some pretty hard um, postpartum experiences with our first babies. And that kind of leaves you not ever wanting a newborn again. Yeah. Well, and also, um, just to be really honest with you guys... There's a little bit of a fear that there won't be joy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think that I remember having that feeling with my son where I was worried about there not being any joy. And my midwife said to me, oh, don't worry. The love will come. The longest I've seen it take is about four months postpartum. That's long. And I was like, oh, that's a long time. And, you know, there was enough joy to keep me alive during that time, but not. But that's a low bar. But it's a low bar. I didn't have those feelings with Heidi because I was in a different mm-hmm. place. But this time the third babies are a wild card and, like, I'm a little bit older. Yeah. And am I, I going to be more tired? And mm-hmm. I'm busier. And, yeah, and uh, you know, like, you're in a different career than you were with Heidi. And, you know, your husband's job has different demands. And your children now have different demands. And I think it's okay to be worried about that, especially if you're – worries are leading you to, like, think through things that will help you. Do you know what I mean? If you're like, oh, okay, I'm worried about this, so, like, how how about I do this other thing to prepare? Mm-hmm. Th- that's, like, kind of a good place to be. 
But if you're in a place where all you can think about is like, will it be as bad as it was that time? Will I not love my baby? Am I going to buy? Like, if you kind of stay in that Mm -hmm. spiral of negative thoughts, then we need to dig you out. Yeah. I mean, what if I don't like them as a person? (laughs) Yeah. What if, what if they're cry? What if they have one of those cries that sounds like a pterodactyl and it's so annoying and triggering? Yeah. Well, biologically, that probably won't happen, right? Probably your brain's going to be like, it's my baby and I love it. That's the most likely scenario. I hope so. And also... You might have some of those feelings, too. It's probably not going to be either or. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are all things that I would tell a patient, just like you're telling me. But I just want you to know that even midwives have those feelings <laughs> and, and worries because, you know, I can know that it's going to be okay and still be like, what if I don't like my own kid? <laughs> and you should still talk about it because that's how you get past that and through it, you yeah. know. Because we're not, we're not shoving the feelings down. We're talking about them. I'm going to love this baby. I know it. <laughs> I'm going to yes. just lick the crap out of its head and just smush it to death. I just love mm. it. But on the other hand, yeah, I hope I don't suck at this. You don't. I already know that. <laughs> Thanks. I'm very confident in your ability to birth your baby and to care for them after. Thank you. And it is also okay to have help with those things. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I will ask for help this time. Good. Which will be different. Not really going to give you an option about that. <laughs> yeah. Just going to give it to you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so a couple of things that I wanted to ask that other people that are having hospital mm. deliveries that I know are kind of going through while I'm simultaneously not having the same experience (laughs) being term is a lot of my patients are getting just routine cervical checks Mm. at this point. Mm. And we're not doing that. And I have no desire to do that. I've never touched your vagina, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, why don't we talk about that for a minute? Okay. Why, why have you not touched my vagina this entire time? (laughs) Yeah, well, so far I haven't had an actual need to, right? There there are options. There are times where it would be appropriate and we have not come, come to that situation, right? Like if you, say, had concerns about your pelvic anatomy, if you were like, oh, I had this problem in a previous birth and I want you to like assess my bone structure and see if that's something that's going on. Or if you're like, hmm, I had a really bad birth injury last time and I want to see how it's healed or... You know, if you maybe had some contractions we thought were preterm labor, like those are all appropriate times for me to touch your vagina, right? Or if I had to culture it because um, you had an infection. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, not really. Right? Like, I I really can't think of a reason up until now that I would have been like, yes, Heather, I think the the best thing for me to do is to stick my fingers inside you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty invasive. Yeah. Especially if it doesn't give you any information that you're looking for. Yep. And, you know, I think it's pretty pointless. So even mm-hmm. at 39 weeks when people are getting no reason. cervical exams at regular prenatal visits – for yeah. nothing. We just want to see where you're you know at. Let me tell you when I offer it. How about that? Because okay. I don't feel like it should be routinely offered. And I don't think we should offer it routinely because a lot of people have trouble saying no. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should be putting patients in a position where they feel coerced to have us touching their vaginas. Yeah. And I absolutely understand that dynamic of power where – so many of us have had experiences with healthcare providers or just, you know, with 
people in positions of authority or we have histories of sexual assault where like saying no in that situation is really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of people just say, uh, yeah, okay." when you're like, hey, I'm going to do this now. Right. They just say, "Okay," And that is not really consent. And so there's no benefit to offering that to everybody because what your cervix is doing today, it's it doesn't tell us anything about the future, really. Mm hmm. We say the cervix is not a crystal ball. (laughs) And also the future means like two hours from now. Right. (laughs) It does tell us a little bit about the past, right? So say you were having contractions and we wanted to see if they were effective. Your cervical dilation, effacement, station could tell us that. It could say, hey, the things that have already happened, what has that done? However, you know, it doesn't tell us what comes next or how effective it will be. Mm Mm-hmm. If we are considering induction, you know, usually for a medical reason, right, it is appropriate to do a cervical check then, where we give a Bishop score, which is basically just like, how far along have you already come? (laughs) So, like, it kind of tells us what induction methods are appropriate and how likely the induction is to work. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's an appropriate cervical check. You should still be asked your permission for it. Sometimes I personally offer them if we, you know, have been having prodromal labor, which means, you know, kind of sporadic contractions over a long period of time that are probably not productive. You know, we still say that they're doing something. They're usually moving baby's position and kind of redistributing a little bit of muscle in the uterus and all of that, but they are exhausting. And it's sometimes really hard to tell how seriously to take those. So I typically offer cervical exams when they change what we will do in the future. Mm-hmm. So say you had prodromal labor for two weeks, you know, and you're like, I never know when to take it seriously. I never know what to do next to say, OK, like, let's let's see what your cervix is doing. If you're high, tight and closed, like, then we don't take this seriously. You do your best to ignore it. Maybe we, you know, take some Benadryl to sleep and we do our best to prioritize rest. But if I check you in your four and I'm like, hmm, like, okay, let's talk about next steps of helping you enter labor more securely. Maybe you should stay close to home. Yeah. And maybe, like, don't ignore it if they get a little harder. Right. <laughs> you know, come home from Walmart if that happens. <laughs> oh, my God. Clean up in aisle five. <laughs> yeah. So, like, those are very reasonable times to do it. And sometimes I offer them for what I think of as, like, emotional reasons where, you know, maybe we just, like, this is a harder one, but I have people ask me for them a lot, you know, and I'm like, okay, how is this going to help you? <laughs> but like, maybe we're despairing because feel we feel like labor is never going to start. And I'm like, well, I can tell you if the things you've been feeling now have been doing anything. It doesn't mean something will change in an hour or two from now, but like, maybe that'll help you wrap your head around how much longer you might have to wait. You know, maybe we can help you get in a better headspace for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just... It's it's a really tough choice for me, personally. I don't take them lightly. I don't take entering someone else's body lightly at all. And I feel like it's... It's um, not comfortable. It's it's not. And I feel like it's a procedure that is very... Gosh, I can't think of the word. But just very normalized in a way that's uncomfortable for me. Well, and also it can give people false despair. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you how many times... We've checked cervixes 
that were closed yep. and within 24 hours we had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> like it really doesn't tell you anything about anything. Yeah. We've also checked people who are five centimeters and they don't Still have a baby for a, a week, week later. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, well, and so my, my big bugaboo though is when people tell me that every week when their term they go to their prenatal, they get checked mm-hmm. routinely and swept. Yes, and I think that is extremely inappropriate. So if you don't know what we're talking about, sweeping the membranes is the procedure we're talking about. And it is a procedure. It's not something we should be doing without consent or without informed choice. Um, And so this is essentially when we insert one finger into the cervix, so all the way through the opening into the uterus, and then go like you bend your finger and kind of sweep in a circle around the inside of the cervix to separate the membranes from that surface. And sometimes that stimulates labor. Not all the time, but sometimes. If it's going to work, it usually works within 24 hours. So there are some people who, like, if they particularly want a specific provider who's going to be on Mm -hmm. in the next 24 hours, they'll say, I mean, I can check you and we can sweep you at the same time and see if we can get this going, you know, because I'll be on tonight. And And it it can be effective and fairly non-invasive for inductive measures, right? However, we are still having risk of infection. And a risk of your waters breaking prematurely. Yep. Um, And both of those are quite serious. And it is extremely uncomfortable and for some people extremely painful. Uh, Yeah. So I had my cervix swept with Heidi. I asked for it because I wanted to avoid Christmas. Mm -hmm. Still had her on Christmas (laughs) Eve. Joke was on me. But my cervix was basically in my tonsils at that point. Mm -hmm. And so if you ask for it and it's not easy to reach, by the time they're in there, they're going to get it anyway. (laughs) They're going to find it. And so usually I I have this discussion with people before I check them usually because I say, you know, if you want me to do this, it would probably be a better experience for you if I did it all at once. So I do understand that, right? But (laughs) let's talk about what it feels like, what it would involve, and why I might not be able to do it. Because mm-hmm. there have been many times I get up in there and I'm like, I literally can't reach your cervix no matter what we do. And that's not a bad thing. It just is. <laughs> or I can find your cervix, but it is too tight for me to easily fit a finger in. And there's no reason for me to force that, especially for a procedure that is, you know, not super likely to do much for us. Uh, yeah, it hurts. It's a mm-hmm. weird weird pain. Yeah, that kind of procedure kind of stimulates that vagal nerve. It's um, shocking. In a way that makes you feel like you're going to vomit. Yeah, and, and it's poop. like you can't really prepare for it. <laughs> no, and I don't fiddle with people's cervixes for no good reason. And it's not <laughs> like a slow burn. Like your contractions no. slowly get stronger and stronger. This is like a bam. <laughs> and you're like, ah. Yeah, and you're like, ooh, I just clenched everything around your hand too and that made it worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I think it's just... I don't know. I, I really don't like how often that's done without informed consent. It makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Agreed. You know, but I am happy to do it for folks who meet a criteria where it's appropriate. If I'm 40 weeks <laughs> yeah, and I've had no signs that we're going into labor, I will be like, Maureen, Great. absolutely sweep me. I'd be happy to. Just one time. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, Maureen, sweep me every day. No. Because that's, that's not, silly. that's also not what we do. Because no. we don't want bleeding and we don't want complication and mm-hmm. your body is way smart. And if it's not kicking in, there's a reason. So. Right. And it is 
And if we're in a place where it's appropriate to be using expectant management or essentially just waiting for labor to start, then that's what we're doing. <laughs> you know, like we're not, I don't know, at least in my practice, right, I'm not inducing people. If they have a medical need for induction, we're going to the hospital for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other questions about cervical prep. Okay. Evening primrose oil. Yeah. I like it, but I like dates better. Okay. Tell so me more. So eating dates, and there's like a specific kind of date and how many per day, and I can't recall the numbers, but um, there's actually pretty good research behind that increasing cervical ripeness, as we call it. Oh. So how soft and open your cervix is. So it's not going to like dilate you to, th- to three centimeters, but it might take a cervix that is like an inch uh, long and super thick and make it squishy, effaced a little bit, so thinner and maybe a little bit open and start that process, which then leads to a little bit of an easier, faster labor, right? Um, And evening primrose oil essentially does the same thing, I think not as effectively personally, and I don't know that we have as much study on it. Um, You can do it vaginally or orally, I did one of each with Heidi. Right, which I think is what most people do. The only time I usually recommend it is if we are really trying to get this baby born, say we're like 41 weeks, and we're like, "Mm, yeah, like, you know, we'll have to transfer in a week if you aren't in labor, and the patient specifically is like, I don't want to wait anymore, I feel uncomfortable. Typically, I do a regimen over about two or three days of herbs and including evening primrose oil. And usually by day three, we have labor. So Mm. I would put, I would poke a hole Mm -hmm. in the gel capsule, (laughs) put it up in my vagina when I got into bed. Yeah. That's (laughs) a good time to do it. Because it'll just fall right out. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, the, the theory is that it acts like a prostaglandin. That is the theory. And also, just FYI, it warms up in your body, and then everyone thinks their water broke. Yeah. So I would wear a pad, and, and it, it like it's yellowish. It, it, it feels like more liquid than it is when it comes out. Yeah. So just, you know, keep note of that. But yeah. I was going to ask you, there's some midwives out there that swear that the evening primrose oil causes premature rupture of membranes before labor. Yeah, and I've heard the same about castor oil, too, and I don't know that we have any research to support that for either. Okay, good. How about semen as a cervical ripener? Sounds great if you're enjoying the way that it's applied. <laughs> well, let me I tell mean... you how my husband did it. <laughs> we have not started this yet. Yeah. But I had him on a strict regimen. Sorry, Mom and Dad, <laughs> stop listening. Um, with Heidi, for the last three weeks, we would I could not tolerate really having sex with him okay. because her head was so low that it would be like, poke in her right in the head and then the cervix was behind it so he would actually get me an orgasm usually with his fingers because there was so much going on down there I was like Mm -hmm. I please don't use your face like I just you know finger banging only please and just the clit like I just need an orgasm yeah because I wanted to stimulate the labor cascade hormones. And then usually that makes him so turned on, just that I'm turned on, <laughs> that he could literally, <laughs> this poor guy, he could literally just put it in and yeah. deposit the semen. That sounds great. And then I would put my butt up on a pillow and I would let it percolate. Mm-hmm. So it was not the actual act of sex, but it was the having semen up by the cervix. And semen does have prostaglandins in it. Yes. But I think the orgasm is important there. Me too. So, it doesn't really matter how you get it, yeah. but the combination of the prostaglandins and oxytocin is really good. And when people tell me they've been, like, doing the deed to try to get labor started, I'm like, doesn't it really sound like you enjoy that? 
Can we talk more about that? (laughs) Because that is an essential part of that, like, sex to induce labor, essentially, is that you you actually, you orgasm or at least have fun. (laughs) If you, it's okay if you can't fully orgasm, but, like, enjoy yourself. (laughs) And if you're not enjoying yourself, do something else that makes you feel that warm, fuzzy, happy feeling, you know? Yeah, and it's not about him. So there are some people that are like, I don't even want to touch my husband right now. I'm like, he can touch himself. Yeah. And then he literally puts it in one time to make mm-hmm. the deposit. That's it. But most men can can get to that point. Oh, That's they real. will figure it out. That is going to be the yeah. best homework. <laughs> Actually, by week three of this, I would, I'd say to my husband, all right, come on, let's go, go to the couch, you know. <laughs> and he'd be like, ugh. <laughs> I was like, seriously? He's like, no, 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 I'm just, it, no, it's good. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is all I had to do to get you to the point where you were like, ugh, like you have a headache now? Are you kidding me? Get this baby out. That's really funny. Yeah, but that that is a great way to encourage labor naturally. But again, like, you know, these all might not work. So I typically kind of put these in the category of like do them if they're convenient and if they're enjoyable or at least not uncomfortable. (laughs) But, you know, don't expect labor to suddenly start right after you have sex. Might not. Um, mine did, actually. <laughs> um, so I would recommend doing it in the morning. Yeah. Because <laughs> what I stupidly did was got me an orgasm and a semen deposit at 10 p.m. Ah, that's when most labors start anyway, And then Heather. 11 p.m. my labor started, and then I didn't sleep all night, and it was exhausting. So well, <laughs> my plan, just so you know, Maureen, is I want to go into labor at noon and have, have a baby at dinner, eat okay. some dinner, and then, and then we all get a good night's sleep. I think I love this plan. Um, I don't know if you've communicated it to your child yet, um, <laughs> but they might need to agree as well. Do you hear that, child? <laughs> Listen up. But um, you have my full permission to go ahead with uh, safe methods of home labor encouragement. You are now term. You can pump if you want to as well. That's a good way to do it in combination with some of those other things. Um, you know, but go for it. You want to eat pineapple or whatever? Do do whatever you feel like doing. <laughs> I'm so full right now because we just went out. I took Maureen. We had a really good lunch. To lunch. Uh, you know, we we're, we try to, like, record all in batches, but we never get a chance to hang out. And mm-hmm. I am in this mode right now where everything is slower for me. And I miss my friend. And I really just wanted to hang out with you. And so I took her to Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> we had a really classy lunch. Yeah, and we did. we laughed a lot. <laughs> and we ate the Thunder from Down Under chocolate. <laughs> Wait, the chocolate Thunder from Down Under which, dessert. Which just the whole time we were laughing at the fact that that sounds like a euphemism for diarrhea. It sure does. But it, it was sure does. the most delicious diarrhea ever. And now I feel like anytime someone has explosive poop, I'm going to be like, thunder you mean the chocolate under. thunder from down under? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. Yes. So I'm I'm very full right now. But um, so the thought of eating pineapple You don't have to terrible. eat anything right now. But what I'm saying is, though, it's safe for you to have a baby from this point out. So. If you want to do stuff to try to get labor started, go ahead. Just don't exhaust yourself doing it. Prioritize sleep over anything else. Okay? Yeah, I will. Don't worry. Um, Eat like you're running a marathon tomorrow. (laughs) Because you might be. (laughs) And, you know, try to manage your, like, hope versus disappointment in this process. (laughs) Because that can get really tough when you feel like you just are trying everything and it's not working. 
Well, I am lazy. So uh, also with Heidi, I just told myself I was going to be 42 weeks. Mm -hmm. And so when my labor started at 39 and 5, I was shocked. It's a very good mindset to have. I was shooketh. I I really emphasize that, especially with first-time moms, where I'm like, you're almost definitely going past your due date. Be ready at 37 weeks, but just circle that date on the calendar. You know, that's your 42-week point, and be like, that's when my babies do. Mm-hmm. And everybody you see, of course, because your big belly is like, I think you're going to go early. And you're like, you don't know shit oh about shit. Oh, my gosh, shit. you sure you don't have twins? <laughs> Becky. You look like you're going to pop. Uh, yeah. Actually, a lot of people keep telling me, she, your baby's still really high. Like, right, you don't great. seem ready. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> it is what it is. Or it's a six-foot-tall newborn. Who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll see. But I'll anyway, let y'all know. <laughs> anyway, um, I guess the kid's still in there just gathering brown fat mm-hmm. and um, kicking me very aggressively. Good. That's um, what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So this this baby is getting nice and strong in there, which makes me happy. Yeah. It's it's great. And I, I'm really looking forward to your birth. Um, next time, let's talk about when to call the midwife because <laughs> we were supposed to do that today, but we didn't. It's okay. Heather knows just for you guys. <laughs> yes. We'll definitely talk about that just in case. Yep. What happens if we have a baby before we get to 40 episodes of Beyond the Boob? Oh, my gosh. Well, we'll just... <laughs> It'll be you recording by yourself yeah. on week 40. Like, hey, everybody, it's week 40 of Heather's so, Not Pregnancy Anymore. what happened was... <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. We will move on to our postpartum episodes, and we'll have a grand old time. Or it'll just be an episode of a baby crying. Yeah. And Maybe we can just publish long. the audio from your birth. <laughs> it'll just be like... F, 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 F. <laughs> and be like, you know what happened. <laughs> I'll just hang up. <laughs> and Cash being like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look at it. Look at its head. Is that a Sharpe? Is that you or, that or the, the baby? head? <laughs> Looks like a Sharpe puppy. <laughs> oh, God. If he says that, That I'm is what laugh. he said with Heidi. <laughs> As, as her head was coming out, he goes, is that Jesus you? Gosh. Is that, what is that? What am I looking at right here? Oh <laughs> it looks like a sharp ape puppy. It kind of does, though. It does. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, wish me luck and good luck mm-hmm. to you all. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to go, um, I guess, I guess have a semen deposit <laughs> and a nap. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.